you most like about the trip, Ringo? Oh, I just loved all of it, you know, especially yeah. Miami. The yeah. sun, you know. I didn't know what it meant until I went over there. Don't you get it up in Liverpool? No, they, they finished up there, you know. <laughs> Cut it out. Coming up on Verse, Course, Verse. I already did this. I'm not doing it again. The Beatles are next. We borrowed a couple of millionaires' houses, you know. Well, well you know, we did. You could afford to buy a couple of millionaires' houses, couldn't you? No. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. we are sooner borrow them. It's cheaper. <laughs> and we did a bit of water skiing. Well, sort of. Anyway. Yeah, we had a great time. Did, you, did your wife enjoy it over there? Yeah, she loved it. Who? Who? <laughs> Don't tell him he's married. It's a secret. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry about that. I didn't mean to. Welcome to... You? Episode 96, Part 2. I am DL. With me is... I just now realized that I can't say what I had written down. That would sound terrible. Rachel Polio, how are you? What were you going to say? Uh, Rachel Polio. <laughs> yeah, you can't say that. <laughs> so how you doing, Rach? Good. Good. It's been a while. How have you been? It has been too long. Oh my gosh. There's a lot to catch up on. Right? Too much to catch up on right now. I know. But it's it's been good. I'm so glad. <laughs> how are you? Glad. Nobody ever asks you how you're doing. Yeah. Every team has a martyr, I guess. <laughs> I am doing I'm doing well. It's true. Um, the drink that I have been drinking that I am almost done with, that we discussed in part one of this. Everybody out there, did you listen to part one? If you didn't, you're going to have to go back and you're going to have gonna to try again. You're going to be real fucking confused. You're going to think this is real silly. But the apple teeny I am drinking, I think it might be my favorite drink that I make. Ever. But I think a lot of that has, I'm sure the answer to this is yes, but I'll make you give me an example. And I hope it's not pumpkin spice. It probably is because you're a white woman. It's pumpkin spice. But <laughs> Um, Go on. <laughs> the reason it's my favorite is because I only do it once a year. It's a oh, November yeah. thing for me. October, November. Mm-hmm. It's favorite thing ever, but it's because you only do it for like a month. Oh, it's pumpkin spice. However, we did get some really good Trader Joe's. Probably still has it, but they have this raw apple cider that's there. Cider. And that's good. Heat yes. that up. Put a little whipped cream, a little caramel sauce on top. Don't Fuck need me that, up. But some yes. good stuff. Apple cider is a big deal. Some of them fall flavors. You know what else? It's a Thanksgiving thing is green bean casserole. That's another one of those things that like I never have mm. until Thanksgiving. And then I'm like, what the hell? Why don't I eat this all the time? Like people never did green bean stuff. So I hate green beans. Did your mom use the bag? You stick it in the bag and it just bastes itself? My mom doesn't cook. Okay, never mind. <laughs> My grandma <laughs> was all about Thanksgiving. Grandma would, she did the all day turkey in the oven basting. She was a fucking mm-hmm. pro. What a lady. Yeah, she's good egg. Shout out grandma who definitely doesn't listen to this. Hey, hey. <laughs> probably better that way. <laughs> Very much better that way. <laughs> I've tried purposefully. So we do jazz episodes right. once a year, Sven and I. And I purposely tried to not swear on those so I can have- because She can listen listen to him. And I always fail. I never do it. Yeah. My grandma doesn't know that this exists. Disown me, I think is the right. Wow. (laughs) Not really, but she would be very, very ashamed. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Love her. Good lady. High expectations. A lot of grandparents. Not a lot of grandparents. Some grandparents, they're like that. I lucked out in the grandparent department. I have incredible grandparents. Yeah. What are we doing today? We are half in the bin, as you can tell. I am a little bit buzzed. Become kind of a lightweight again. I really have not been drinking very much lately. Yeah, I've got the... My one eye is closed a little bit farther than the other. I'm feeling pretty good (laughs) because we're talking about one of my favorite bands of all time. Probably the best band of all time in the Beatles. Rachel, question for you. Somebody comes to you 
and they say the Beatles are the best band of all time. What is your response to that? Okay. Sure. I mean, I would say, have you put it through David Liston's patented <laughs> equation? The best of equation? Have you? Do you know that it's your favorite? That's a good one. I would not shame anyone or look askance at somebody that said that this was the best band of all time. Okay. They're fabulous. Do you know who my current favorite is according to the equation of bands that I've done? Michael Jackson. No, that's best. Oh, your favorite. I have oh, a gosh, best there's... band equation and I have a favorite band oh equation. Oh God, you fucking nerd. You know, I know. Do you know who it was? <laughs> you know who it was? You're too handsome to be this embarrassingly <laughs> nerdy. That's the nicest compliment I've ever gotten. Thank you. <laughs> you know who it was before the last Great Search episode? Hmm. It was Cake. I believe that. I'm just checking it out. Calm down. It's not anymore, though. Cake's not your favorite anymore. No, it got, They're not it as got good. removed by the last so, one. They fine. are second favorite. They got surpassed by Joy Division in my last mm. Great Search episode. Which is impressive given alcohol started already i know where you're going <laughs> given their <laughs> shorter discography that's impressive two albums yeah yeah this is delicious well you keep you have not stopped drinking <laughs> it's really good <laughs> i have never seen somebody take so many drinks in such a short period of time i guess let's get to that now I'm hey just, rachel what are you drinking i'm just taking a drink every time you say a Most word Most important part <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is gonna be a fun episode mm -hmm. i am drinking so we had a little five-minute break between last episode and this episode. So I pulled out the blender. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm a quick one. I got a little half and half. All right. <laughs> right. There's a little half and half, a little Malibu, and then two fudge sickles, a handful of ice. Four little items, a little blender. It was delicious. Malibu. Was, yeah. Chocolate and coconut. It's so good. Okay. You know, I think when I think Malibu, I don't think coconut flavor. I think like pineapple-y sweet. I mean, you could put it with pineapple too, obviously. I think you need to experiment with your liquors in that drink. That drink would be good. I think you need to experiment with the liquors a little like, bit. Like, what are you thinking? Some sort of chocolate liqueur. Mm. Maybe just a vodka. I had pulled out just regular straight ass vodka, but then Malibu sounded better. Oh, and I put vanilla syrup in there. I had some ah, coffee syrup. Well, I mean, fuck. So if you think it tastes good, then who cares? That's all that matters. It's delicious. Right? Can I, I'm going to bring some stuff to the woods. Will you drink one? Okay. Could be fun. Should I spoil something? Yeah. So Maybe. in the finale, I'm going to have something that's called. <gasps> Yay. So somebody else might be bringing some Malibu and Otter Pops. <laughs> I'm just saying. You should make a list and we could sign up like a potluck. Just don't bring food. We'll just survive on alcohol <laughs> I... for three days. <laughs> Can we Uber eat stuff? Can we have food? Well, no, you can bring okay. food. Is there You're loud. Is there food nearby? Like, could we all go together in some vehicle? There's so food? Crouch. Have you never been to Garden Valley? Mm, it's been like a hundred years since I've been. So Crouch is maybe a 10 minute drive. Maybe. Okay. And that there's and that, a mercantile there. and A mercantile? Yeah. I mean, the town's called Crouch, Rachel. You're going <laughs> to get what you're going to get. We'll go to the mercantile, get some yes. craft dinner. Craft dinner. Mac and cheese. Maybe I'll bring the food too. <laughs> Jesus H. Rachel. David. John, Paul, George, and Ringo. Let's talk about one of my favorite bands that I just really love. Why your look made me think that I fucked up a name. No, 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 no. You started talking about our episode and I was like, we haven't talked about what we're drinking yet. You said what you were drinking. I know. You didn't say what you were drinking though. 
So I still so have I'm my not s- entirely wrong. No, you're right. We need to go back to that. Good job. Thank you. I am still drinking my drink from the last episode. If you didn't listen to the last episode, seriously, just go back and listen. It's about the same fucking thing. It's not going to make sense if you don't. Anyway, I'm drinking a homemade apple teeny. So mm-hmm. it's not an apple pucker apple teeny. It's actual. I made my own apple liqueur with Granny Smith apples and Everclear and sugar and citric acid and all that stuff. I also do have, I'm taking a cue from Rachel. I've got a two-town cider here. Yum. Mine is 6% alcohol, so I Ooh. win. Well, you weigh just a little bit more, so that balances out. We talked a lot about the Beatles for about an hour and a half. We're going to talk about them for another hour and a half. Mm-hmm. I'm super excited. If God came down and was like, hey, David, I'm going to give you a Saturday. What do you say we just sit down and drink apple booze and talk the Beatles? I would say, I must be dead and in heaven, God, because <laughs> that's all I want out of life. <laughs> So I'm very happy. We're doing it as much justice as we can, which, hey, probably ain't much. We're not historians. We aren't. What aren't we? Let's go over all the things we're bad at, Rachel. Bath. Oh, man. I thought you said bath. (laughs) The country. Bathing. I'm terrible at bathing. No, no, no. The country bath. I'm horrible. (laughs) If somebody was like, hey, where's bath on this map? I'd be like, fuck, I don't know. In the first episode, we talked about the derivation. We talked about the creation Mm -hmm. of the Beatles, the Quarrymen, Skiffle Bands, all that really fun stuff. And then we got into introducing the Beatles and Please Please Me. And now we are going to talk about two albums. We are going to cover the Beatles every single year for a long time until we die. As we do that, we will go chronologically. There are two more albums that we're going to discuss in this episode that I do feel really captivate the early Beatles stuff. The pre-Hard Day's Night mm-hmm. is what I'm going to say. Wasn't exactly a lot of time no. uh, as far as transition. That's exactly what I was going to say is there's about four minutes between the last <laughs> album and this one. So they released in March of 63, Please Please Me. And then this was in January, not even a full year. And then again, we're going to talk about their next album, which was released a couple days after the Just they're all so smashed together. There's so much at a small period they of are. time. We are going to talk about the Beatles or who knows what the fuck we might end up talking about according to the beginning of this episode. Have you ever thought of professoring? Because I feel like you could rock a tweed jacket with some things and then like teach history of the Beatles. A, yeah, if that existed. No, it's a thing. Did you hear you listen to the video and there's the guy and his name is John. He's a teacher at Ohio. I would love to do that, but I don't think there's going to be a lot of money in it. Well, yeah. Here's the thing for me, Rachel. I know that the best things in life are free, but you can give those to the birds and the bees (laughs) because I want money. That was good. That was a good transition. Let's get into the Beatles. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. are back everybody let's keep talking about the beatles meet the beatles which came out in january of 1964 they recorded it at emi in london it is a super long super in-depth 26 minutes meet the beatles ended up being a capital records release and it was produced by the george martin funny thing this is a side thing but it is about the beatles the beatles just as we're talking yesterday re-release of revolver the deluxe edition came out oh yeah it's all this extra shit i was talking to my uncle who's a big beatles guy about this new thing where vinyls are being re-released and these deluxe editions and you get all this extra shit you just they're just expensive i have a problem with them i think that it's like today's greatest hits Mm -hmm. it's all just a big money 
making thing. My uncle had the yeah. best quote when I asked him about Revolver's Deluxe Edition, will you buy it? And he was like, here's my thoughts on that. The original Revolver, was Martin and Lennon and McCartney's version not good enough for you? Mm-hmm. You need something better than that? Yeah. <laughs> I think this is a spectacular point of view. Five discs. Yes. That is so many discs. Yes. In two and a half hours. We talked in the last episode about how their first album released in America didn't do great. Mm-hmm. This was another reason. Because a week later, they fucking came out with this. It hit number one immediately. Right. This was the album. Beatles written, capital release, American groundbreaking album that completely changed the record industry for all time. This album changed the music industry, the vinyl and production industry more than any album until maybe Thriller. Everybody fucking bought this. This spent 71 weeks on the Billboard charts. Mm -hmm. This changed youth from looking for 45s to, hey, I want albums now. No spoiler for next year, but Evil and I do our album dissections. And I was trying to math out what year should be our lowest cap date. Mm. What's the earliest year that we should actually do? 1864. That's like the same kind of fucking joke he made. You two are <laughs> such a smart man. Pod. Hi, Jimmy. He made a joke about he really wants to talk about loot. <laughs> <laughs> this album has a lot to do with what I decided on that. So that's Meet the Beatles to me. It's very apropos in the name because this was America meeting the Beatles. It is meeting the actual Beatles because there is one song that's written by other people and that is it, which is really nice. Is that something that irritates me moving forward? The only cover that they had on here was Till There Was You. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of exactly what we were talking about in the last episode with the half. They didn't write the shit stuff. Right. It's record companies being really, really stupid. Mm -hmm. It's also record companies covering their own ass because, hey, what if this fucking flops? What if nobody likes these songs? Well, let's put Till There Was You on there. Everybody loves that song as groundbreaking of an American album as you can have, which is especially a feat when you look at Dave Dexter being the head producer at EMI at Capitol, who didn't even like rock. He didn't even really, he was not sold on this at all. They marketed it away from American rock covers towards Beatles' own writing. Right. I don't know how they got him to agree to it, but it's one of the smartest and surprising business moves ever because it was the songwriting on this album that made the Beatles what the Beatles were going to be. This was, as we said, there's one cover on here. Everything else is written by the Beatles and it shows their talent, good musicians, and they're not just grabbing other people's stuff, performing it. You still feel the influence of the Mm -hmm. bigger black players at the time, Smokey Robinson, but it's an influence instead of a Smokey Robinson song. And then they're just performing it. There's some great musicianship, Mm -hmm. alcohol. (laughs) I'm going to stop talking. There is. They play the instruments good in this one. George, (laughs) George and his guitar. He's fucking fabulous. And then the Castilian vibes on Till There Was You. Mm -hmm. Great stuff. And we'll get into. They fall into a lot of stuff that just proves that they're amazing musicians without forcing or trying to create something. I want to touch more on that when we talk about their next album. You mentioned the cover. Right. 
What did you think of the cover? Which the cover is Till There Was You that was originally written by Meredith Wilson. What I'm finding with studying the Beatles is that they don't, at least in their early stuff, again, I haven't dug too deep into their later stuff quite yet. Their covers are copy-paste versions of the originals with a different key. They're not making yeah. the covers their own. Every single cover for me is a is a throwaway because... It's not anything new and it's not innovative and the Beatles are are much better than that. But I think that when an album is mostly covers or has a bunch of other writing on it, it's just a cash grab. It's just people wanted more Beatles and they didn't have any music and they said, oh, here are a bunch of stuff that was written for black artists. Why don't you sing that and make it okay to listen to? Especially with what they finally had found with this album and then moving on to Hard Day's Night and everything after, the Beatles didn't need covers. Right. You don't make a band that writes the best songs do covers it's fucking stupid and i that's not even you know i don't even love this cover till there was it's whatever all of the covers that the beatles do are not my favorite version of the song oh thousand percent but let's talk about that Um, in the second album the good thing is is for me the beatles you have the beatles writing their own songs on 93 percent of it yeah yeah it all starts with i want to hold your hand that was written specifically for the american market dave dexter was really worried uh, so was george martin actually about releasing it in america and how it would work out and it just happened to be one of the most brilliantly written songs this is the song for me that when i was a child and i had gotten that past master cd i talked about in the first episode go back and listen to that this was the song i referred to a song that came on Obviously, I had heard I Want to Hold Your Hand before, but I hadn't concentrated on it. And man, that G to E minor hits. Paul and John go down to that B7. I think you'll understand. It's this huge, major, poppy, happy radio song that all of a sudden has this single bar of hard-hitting dark minor that immediately lifts. I've, I've been listening to that song for 30 years and it still gives me chills. It's just so brilliant. I melted. But that's another thing about the Beatles is that that's a really good example where you're showing that they're accidentally falling into <laughs> these genius things that they're not aiming for, but it makes it so different from regular ass pop music that I don't want to say the Beach Boys because I haven't studied the Beach Boys enough to really bash on them. I think of when the Beach Boys is just this boring ass white girl music and you would think that with the Beatles, but when you really sit down and listen to their music, yeah. you can see that they're real artists and they're not just guys playing instruments that just happen to all look alike because they have the same haircut, the same suit on. It was massive. It was humongously massive. Radio DJs all around America had gotten illegal pre-released copies. They were playing it on the radio everywhere. Capital's dumbassedness tried to sue radio stations DJs themselves for playing for the free publicity exactly they're so fucking stupid in the first three days alone a quarter of a million copies had already been sold 10,000 copies in New York City every hour were being sold that's insane you have to think of 10,000 albums being sold. You have to think of that many albums being sold. And it's not on social media. Yes. People aren't talking about it. It's not on Spotify. This is all newspaper, radio, 
That's the only way this is being communicated. And the fact that that much it's is incredible. being sold in such a small amount of time. 10,000 copies an incredible. hour in New York City. It is insane, insane to think about. This is another change to the record industry that was completely unheard of. Capital was so overloaded by demand for this album that they contracted pressing copies to Columbia and RCA, direct competitors. They paid them to fucking press these for them. That's how mm-hmm. much demand this right. album ensued. It's not by accident. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just the right place at the right time. These songs are incredible. I Want to Hold Your Hand is an incredible song. I saw her standing there, right. which this is another reason why introducing didn't do as well, because this song was also on Meet the Beatles, which was bigger. To me, if I'm right. young, if I'm a kid in the fucking 60s, I've got money to go buy an album, mm-hmm. and I've got the choice between introducing the Beatles or Meet the Beatles... Where I get, I want to hold your hand. I saw her standing there. It won't be long. All I've got to do, all my love, like, it's no fucking question. Then you just find a single, a twist and shout, yeah. and you're made. It's got all the good stuff. We already talked about it. I saw her standing there with the last album, which is incredible. I have thoughts on this boy, but I think, unless you have specific thoughts about him, this song, I kind of want to wait on that theme until we talk about the next album. The boring ass ballad, Kill the Album That song. song. Yes, but that's a good point because it does. It does. You have these two amazing bangers and then you put in This Boy, which is not a great song. And it's also slow and boring. And then you go into It Won't Be Long. Exactly. It's just like this weird intermission doesn't need to be there. This Boy is this weird doo-woppy, I don't know. There were certain songs that the Beatles wrote, very of the times, that I didn't love. Right. still think it's good. The albums that were coming out at this time. Oh, do it. Yeah. So this album, or this boy, you had said it was very much of the times in the early 60s. So I covered November. This came out in January of 64. I covered November 63 to March. Uh, so about six months-ish time. We have Phil Spector's Christmas album, which was sold Good so many Phil copies. Spector. I can't even count that high. Good old Phil Spector. Uh, Beatles UK came out in November, just right before that. Bob Dylan, Times They Are Changing. That's kind of what I wanted to hit on, is that that was a very folk album. And that title song, a very folk song, set the yeah. stage for that vibe that hit mid to late 60s of Peace, Love, and, and Woodstock. You know what you should do? And what? You should take Times They Are Changing, the album. Put it mm-hmm. on for Trevor. And you should say, mm-hmm. hey. <laughs> Fun story. <laughs> I put this on for Trevor this morning. Did you? I did. Tell me more. Well, I was reviewing, <laughs> well, I was reviewing um, these albums this morning. He knew the time period. I said, forget everything you know, kid. Times they are changing. When did this come out? He said, I don't know, late 60s, early 70s is what it sounds like. And it very much did. He was looking forward in that folk music. And this album, this Beatles album, is towing the line, pulling in still some of that doo-wop and that Smokey Robinson music, but also looking forward into the rock and roll, but also folk music that they would move into later and that would be become more popular moving forward. It's not our fault, Trevor, for example, thinking that this was late 60s. Right. Ever since the fucking 70s, any movie, any Vietnam movie or a Forrest Gump type thing or mm-hmm. something like that that has to do with the late 60s civil rights, times they are changing plays. Thousand percent, yeah. And You're th- right. This was actually written seven years before yeah. that. And that's just the brilliance of Bob Dylan. Not the brilliance as a musician the brilliance has a person right you write what you know and that's what he knew times were a change in bob good job where the fuck were we we were in the middle of the albums being released at the time it won't be long yeah 
Um, So it won't be long. Yeah. Such a. Oh my god, I love this song so much. It's simple '60s rock. Mm. It's so fucking amazing. The desperate plea of yeah call to the lead singer Mm -hmm. followed by that amazing Harrison guitar riff Mm -hmm. it's just such a well-written rock song yeah they just had so many of them on this album it's incredible Mm -hmm. there's such a good mixture like I said of there is some good rock stuff but there's some good doo-woppy sounding stuff and there's some good folkish sounding stuff there's something for everyone on this album you've got songs like little child which I don't know why I always bunched in little child with what was the cover? Uh, Tell There Was You. I feel like the Beatles always did this where, look, they knew that Lennon and McCartney were the, the Beatles, the songwriters, right. but they were always going to give Ringo and George some play. <laughs> You've got Don't Bother Me, right. which is, <laughs> this song's cute. Hmm. George Harrison was such a fucking lovable, <laughs> he was so, what's the word, lacking in self-confidence. Right. Well, this is a perfect song for him. Yes. He really wanted to be the dark artist. He wanted to be a John Lennon. He wanted to be a mysterious. Right. But he wasn't. He was fucking George Harrison. And (laughs) I love that about him. I love that he always seemed to be looking in awe of the people around him. That's why he was always obsessed with fucking Clapton and Hendrix. But he was an incredible guitarist. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you are an artist like that, you're going to do good things. Right. It keeps you very humble. There is something very forward thinking about this song. This mm-hmm. song has a very next level experimental Jefferson Airplane-esque sort of vibe. And you mm-hmm. start to hear, if you were to say which song on this album calls out to what the Beatles were going to start doing, right? I would say it's Don't Bother Me. And you have, you know, these lyrics are negative compared to everything else they're singing about. Happy love, hold my hand, blee, blee, blee. And then this guy is like, this chick won't fucking pay attention to me. I want to go die. Yeah. It starts to hint at the fact that they're moving from this lyrically like bubblegum poppy vibe into more of a realistic written band that they're going to be here in a couple albums actually i'm going to say in one album because of one song but i completely agree with you the next album or like after no, the next album oh because of one song okay but i do i completely agree with you i'm gonna fast forward no you're not pay attention and then we also we talked you know you got your george song you got your ringo song i want to be your man it was a great song the, f- right. the fucking drums are dirty as hell i love the drums you do have Ringo doing his yell singing, which is <laughs> it's a little jarring because you're comparing it to McCartney and Lennon, who I think one of the best examples of Lennon and McCartney being just mm-hmm. born to fucking sing together is on this and that's all my loving. Yeah. They are so in unison. The music sounds like they're overdubbing their vocals. It's just those two singing together. I've been listening to the Beatles for 30 years and I still catch myself at times going, wait, who is that? Which one is that? Is that Paul or is that John? Mm -hmm. Which is insane. That's impressive (laughs) to show how musically entwined they could be. Mm -hmm. There's a band called that nobody's ever heard of called Isley. The Isley Brothers. I know the Isley Brothers. Have you heard of them? Isley. They toured with uh, Cole. No. Toured with Coldplay in the early 2000s. There's a pair of sisters in the band, and it sounds like somebody singing with themselves. 
they sound so similar that you can really just not tell who is who. And the guys definitely, to a point in a lot of songs, pull off this vibe that it is the same person singing because you can't identify one from another. Here's what I love about Lennon and McCartney singing together is I've been in bands before and other musical projects and I listen to I listen to music sometimes. <laughs> and what you usually, 95% of the time, what you get from artists trying to blend their vocals together in lead vocals and backup vocals is there is this real struggle in blending your tone together Mm -hmm. and who needs to pull back and who needs to move forward and how strong should I sing to blend in with this person? But they just know. Lennon and McCartney just fucking sang and it was just perfect. I mean, it's more of that just falling into being that good of a musician they're not yeah. having to think about it. They're just doing it. They're so good. Yes. But speaking of that, we can touch on the very last song, Not a Second Time, mm-hmm. which I realize now is important for me to discuss. <laughs> you know, it, there's been a lot of uh, dissection of this song because of the Aeolian. Aeo, A-E-O. I don't care. L-I-A-N. A-E-O. It's a cadence. It's a specific cadence. It is a, it's just an odd scale of vocal performance. And anyway, point being, Not a Second Time is a Lennon song. And there have been dissections of this song, of its brilliance, and it's how unbelievably musically brilliant it is. Lennon didn't do this on purpose. And I'm, I'm trying to be careful to, with how I say this. I'm not saying Lennon wasn't brilliant. I'm saying Lennon didn't do it on purpose. In fact, I think Lennon has even said about the cadence that he had no he doesn't know what the hell you're talking about when somebody mm-hmm. said it to him. When you are a brilliant artist like a John Lennon, things that just come in your head to do mm-hmm. are these brilliant things that have been researched and dissected. For him, it was just, nope, I just thought this would sound cool. So this is what I did. Yep. I think McCartney was way more of a McCartney was beyond brilliant. Obviously, God damn, last year watching the Get Back fucking documentary and just right. him sitting at a piano and just working out. What was he working out sitting there? Was it Get Back? They show him live, real time working out right. uh, Get Back. I think there was a brilliance in McCartney that was there because he, we talked about it in the first episode. If you got to put 10,000 hours in something to be great at it, Mm -hmm. he was going to put in 50. Yeah. He was going to succeed no matter how long it took. One thing, rewinding though, back to I Want to Be Your Man. I know that you just gushed over it. It's not what I was going to say, but Mm -hmm. it was going to be a lot more crass. But you gushed all over it. Um, (laughs) Back to John Lennon being sassy had said, this was a throwaway for him. There's only two versions of the song. There's Ringo and there's the Stones. And he said, that shows how much importance we put on it. We weren't going to give them anything great, right? <laughs> he didn't He didn't really care about this song. I think it's funny that you loved it when John was like, fuck it, I don't fucking care. I don't think there's a song on here I don't love besides Till There Was You. Mm-hmm. But I would say out of the Beatles written songs on here, I Want to Be Your Man is probably one of my least favorite. Okay. The drums are fucking amazing. Yeah. It should be talked about more and me included, but there's not much more you can say about how fucking good Ringo Starr was in these early years. And I'm not saying he got worse. I'm just saying in that time, the type of drummer he was, the type of band that right. the drummer he needed to be for this band, he was perfect. I think with the drumming, not to shit 
on the rest of his drumming in any way. I think when he was given lead vocals of something, you're just going to want it to be the most fabulous song in the entire world if it's your song. Maybe he's putting a little bit more into his drumming on this one because it's his song and not everybody's song. What's your John Popper award for Meet the Beatles? I want to hold your hand. Is it? It is. That's shocking. (laughs) I think you'll agree. It's just a catchy tune. You can't not get it stuck in your head. I think the hook for It Won't Be Long is better. Oh, yeah? The switching yes. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Thank you. Acting! Thank you for that. (laughs) Eddie Van Halen. What's the Eddie Van Halen award? I loved George's country guitar riff in All My Lovin'. It's really good. It was really good. And it was a very different vibe for him on this album. Yeah. I hadn't heard anything like that. Not sure who the solo with the nylon string guitar was. That's George. Until There Was You. Yeah. It was? Okay. More fabulous guitar work. He did a wonderful job in this album. I have two. I have a tie. Can't have a tie. You have to pick one. Sophie's Choice. The little guitar riff in It Won't Be Long. Yeah. It's perfect. It's a perfect guitar riff. Perfect, perfect, perfect. George Harrison was so understated. For sure. And his guitar playing was so... You know, he has one of my favorite guitar solos of all time. It's in my top five. Mm -hmm. It is probably about 10 seconds long. That's not very long. Rachel, what is your favorite song on Meet the Beatles? All My Lovin'. I don't know why that surprises me. You're McCartney. This album had so much good guitar work by... George. And that was another amazing guitar solo by George Harrison. John was no slouch either. The song, no, not at all. But that song rocked. And then having that guitar solo on there as well was just fab. I agree. Not with you. But I agree that it was an amazing song. My favorite song on this is I Want to Hold Your Hand. I've talked about it. It is my Meet the Beatles. This was what made me fall in love. Rachel, what is the best song on this though i think you might be a little surprised david (laughs) it's all my loving it's not just my favorite song it's the talent that's involved in this it's the writing it's the guitar playing again it's just an all-around fabulous song i think that about it won't be long i think yeah the vocal performance every single instrument's performance the writing it's just fucking brilliant it's so well written rachel after dissecting this album after listening to this one did your impression of the Beatles change yes I do think that because again we had one cover on here this album showed more of their talent there wasn't a ton of time between the last album and this album but you can see a little bit of the evolution and you can see them moving out of just the straight up rock and roll I think this is a much much better album Mm -hmm. than introducing the Beatles or or please please me They had figured out their production, their songwriting. They actually got to write how to best handle them as tracking artists. My big takeaway for this album is people forget how groundbreaking this one was. When people talk about the Beatles, they talk about Sgt. Pepper or Abbey Road, the White Album. People don't mention Meet the Beatles, Mm -hmm. not just for the music, but it changed an entire industry. Mm-hmm. That's Meet the Beatles. Yeah. We have one more album to do, and then we've got some finishing touches, I will say. <laughs> We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. We are back. 
The Beatles' second album was not their second album. Rachel, what did you think about the Beatles' second album? Give us some first impressions and some facts and some thoughts. First of all, not their second album, which you just said. At all. Which is really confusing. Mm -hmm. The Beatles' second album, released by Capitol Records April 1964, debuted at number 16 and replaced Meet the Beatles at number one on the Billboard Top LPs in the United States the following week. It stayed at number one for five weeks. And in the top 200 until May 1965, it sold an astounding 1.6 mm-hmm. million copies by December of 1964, which is insane to think about at the time. Certified gold, April 1964, yeah. two times platinum, January 97. And they only have writing credits on five out of 10 of the songs on this album. I wrote down, I have a feeling I am not going to like this. I am. Yeah. They are making me hate cover songs. The Beatles. This was the second album we got out of them in the United States. Thanks to Capitol Records. Thanks, Capitol. It was a big deal back then since this was a cash grab for Capitol Records. America didn't have the European 45s of singles everywhere of, oh, shit, the Beatles have a rendition of Roller Beethoven. Let's go buy that single. Uh, Americans didn't have that. Yeah. So this was basically an album for that call. It was three months after introducing the Beatles. All this shit was just plowed out immediately. This one was two months after Ed Sullivan. This was the first American release after the show. So yeah, it sold incredibly well. Mm. They also did a really good job with the cover. They made it this very official, even though it wasn't, it's the Beatles' second album. Even though it wasn't even, it was completely compiled of old recordings. They didn't record anything for this album. It was all pre-recorded. What are you drinking? Oh, it's just a hard seltzer. It's just spicy. Who makes that face with a hard seltzer? It was seltzer? spicy. I've been drinking a milkshake. Spicy? The carbonation oh carbonate carbonation that's not spice you started to touch a lot on the last one or should i respond to it there are so many covers on this album covers mm-hmm. songs that chuck berry wrote and Smokey robinson and right. richard penniman a lot of this album was very much playing into the cute safe white dudes right we can play the black written music and it'll sell yes this was a really frustrating album for me to listen to in that way because we just had this great album mm-hmm. one song was a cover there are no other writing credits on it this album 50 percent of the songs are written by other people and a lot of them are just black artists you have a cover of rollover beethoven which is a not as good version of the chuck berry version you really got a hold on me Smokey robinson does a much better version of that devil in her heart that was not good the version that is written by richard drapkin right it's recorded by a girl group called the donays uh they have two songs on spotify one of them is this song which has five hundred thousand listens their other song has like twenty nine thousand listens which is nothing at all oh, careful comparatively i was kidding i was making i was making a joke about how many listens we have oh <laughs> we are they are much more popular than we are we have more than twenty nine thousand listens but not more than five hundred thousand, which is what this song has but you just wait till next year their version of this song devil in her heart is fucking fabulous mm-hmm. if you listen to it it's devil in his heart yeah it switches it has these amy winehouse vibes of that doo-wop that she was trying to pull into her music. And it's just this fabulous version. And then you listen to the Beatles version and you're like, this is pure garbage. And I love the Beatles, but comparatively, man, they just took something that was beautiful and just made it a more boring version. That's a lot of this album. That's a large part of this album. That's 50% of this album. It is. 
It is. If anybody can look at me with a straight face and say that their version of Rollover Beethoven's is better than Chuck Berry's, right? you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. One other thing I kind of want to talk about is, and maybe you can help explain this to me. So a lot of these covers, let's talk Long Tall Sally. How many times was this mm-hmm. redone? Little Richard, March of 56. Elvis was like, I can do that better. September of 56. Then the Kinks. February 64, and then two months later, the Beatles come up with it in April of 64. Why do people think that they can do better versions two days after something else was released? I'm glad you asked. Okay. (laughs) This is part of what I really wanted to talk about in this album. This is what you need to keep in mind. And when I say you, I'm rhetorically, I'm not mansplaining. I'm saying everybody in general. In this time, all these kids... Let's do the Beatles, for example. The people writing the songs for the Beatles, John Lennon and Paul McCartney, Mm -hmm. they grow up, they get this music from America that blows their fucking mind. They hear Chuck Berry and they're like, holy fucking shit, this is amazing. Mm. And you know what they do? They start a band. And when they start a band, you know what they do? They cover their songs because that's what everybody that starts a band does. That's what I did. 100%. That's why I was playing Basket Case by Green Day when I was 13. That is where this came from. This is why it's easy for me to look. Look, the Beatles were not stealing black people's music. The Beatles loved this music. And they were playing it. The sad part of the story is the problem is not with the artists. The, you, fucking Elvis. Elvis gets a lot of bad rap for quote unquote stealing black people's music. For sure. If you think that, you need to research how Elvis grew up. Right. Elvis grew up with black people. Mm-hmm. He grew up in a very, very poor community. That's why he became who he was. Because he loved and obsessed and listened to quote unquote black people music right. his whole life. That's what made him what he was. It is not the artist's fault. It's society's fault that it just happened to be the white people that started making it that got huge. Mm -hmm. So when you have these songs like, we'll say, Long Tall Sally, you were saying, like Long Tall Sally. Right. Little Richard comes out with it. He wrote it with, I think, two other people. It's fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. A band like the Beatles that are gigging every night, they go play it. This song's amazing. I want to play it. Right. And then a record company is like, hey, you have to put this on this album. That's why it happened. The reason why they told them to do that is because that is what America wanted. It it sucks, but they didn't fucking want Chuck Berry. Right. They wanted the Beatles playing Rollover Beethoven. That's so, so messed it's, up. You know whose fault it is? It's our fault. Us. It is. That was a big, long rant. Sorry. That's okay. I think that there were artists like the Beatles and like Elvis that it was not a appropriation. It was a respect and a love for a specific type of music that they just wanted to play because they loved it so much. I think that is an innocent thing. I am not saying that it's right. Yeah. I am just saying it's not their fault. I a thousand percent agree. I would hope that not anybody was out there to take music, steal it and make it their own. Pat Boone. Outside of Pat Boone. But unfortunately, young, attractive white boys playing music is just more appropriate. That's what probably is the most frustrating about this album is you know what the best songs on this album are? Besides maybe money. Money is fucking awesome. And I don't even know if that's a Beatles thing. I don't think you can fuck up that song. Yeah. The song Money, written by Barry Gordy Mm -hmm. and Janie Bradford, Mm -hmm. that's such a good song that I don't think you can fuck it up. 
that said, the Beatles rendition is amazing. But to me, the best songs on this album are the Beatles written songs. Thank you, girl. I'll get you. And then the last song, which we can touch on last, but Mm -hmm. what did you think about the Beatles written songs on this? I liked more than half of them a lot. (laughs) I, it's frustrating because when we get to the awards at the bottom, I judged on those five songs and that was it. To me, this was a five song album. Very, very short album. Let me ask you this then, Mm -hmm. and I'm not at all calling you out. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm curious. What is the mental difference between covers on this one and you are a big fan of Twist and Shout? Yes. Why is it different? That seems very unfair of me to judge so hard. I think it's because this was so encompassing of this album as opposed to one cover. It was... I agree. I also... The reason that I said that is because I agree with you. Yeah. I just think Twist and Shout, they fucking put their life into that fucking Well, they song. put their mark like they, on that. They're not, and that's the thing is with that cover exactly. versus these covers, that cover they made it their own. These covers, they were like, oh, that's a, that's a B flat of playing it wrong. You know, it's not. One, which one was that? <laughs> that was John. Okay. Was that good? It was all right. Did it, it was okay. Was that good? These weren't anything unique. Rachel, as a female, like, love, or favorite song ever, you can't do that. <laughs> My brain went to fuck, Mary kill me for some reason. What would be a fourth one? Fuck, no, Mary th- kill, bestie. Ringo's the bestie. You are just I- as unoriginal as it gets. <laughs> sorry. Get- <laughs> We're cutting all this out anyway. Um, <laughs> okay, sorry. The question was, you, you can't, can't do, do that? that. Did you know it was listed as the second most misogynistic Beatles song of all time? Oh, shit. Really? Well, read the lyrics. I'm going to right now. I'm going to talk about the song first. I don't care about how misogynistic it is. I love the fucking song. I think the guitar tone, it's this like rough and tumble. There's a fucking amazing guitar solo in it. Uh, Mm -hmm. George is playing these odd notes through the whole thing and the backup vocals and the bridge. It's fantastic. Lennon wrote it. Yeah. Lennon is a little bit notorious for being a bit of a, he's a different cat in that when it came to love, and relationship he has as bad passionate and he was obsessive mm-hmm. and there's been talk about you can't do that it was his take on an obsessive guy or was it just him being because hmm. the, the song is essentially like hey i saw you talking to that dude you do it again we're fucking done i didn't notice that but now that i'm reading the lyrics they are sounding a little controlling aren't they yeah but okay so do we have the discussion now of when did it become a controlling bad thing to be like hey why do you keep talking to that dude <sighs> am i showing my age by asking that no question? No, we've talked about, you've showed your age about this before. (laughs) I think that, I don't know. I think at this time, it probably wasn't looked twice at. I didn't sit down with the lyrics for this album, I think, because I got so frustrated that it was all covers that I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'm just going to blow right through this bitch. In our times, obviously, that's just not okay. Not that it made it okay then, but I don't think anybody would have thought twice about it. This kind of song is could be seen as flattering of like, oh, I can't even talk to other boys. You like me so much. This is great. You know, and I don't think that women probably took it as, no, he's trying to control your life. You should run. Well, fucking Weezer in the 90s had, I want a girl who will laugh for no one else. I always looked at that as a romantic song until you actually sit there and think about it. Oh, he doesn't want her to have a life unless I'm cutting so much of this out. That's fine. I Call Your Name is another one that was written by the Beatles on Mm -hmm. this album, which I really like. The fucking time signature changes on this are so amazing. Mm -hmm. I also think I'll Get You 
is one of their strongest B-sides from their early years. Yeah. There's a lot of imagery right off the bat that is nice. It's mm-hmm. still got the same like lovey-dovey, gross vibe, but it, the very first line outside of all of the yas, because you can't have a Beatles song without at least 35 yas in it. That's a good way to get drunk. But <laughs> it says, imagine I'm in love with you. It's easy because I know I've imagined I'm in love with you many, many times before. So it sets up this like, picture this. Yeah. I love you. You know, for all the girls, they're like, oh, yes, the Beatles love me. Blah, blah, blah. The lyrics are a little bit more thoughtful than the cheesiness of the lyrics previously. Yes. They're not as simple. I'd want to go to the final track then, which is yeah. She Loves You, which is the UK's best-selling single of all time. And it's it's She Loves You. It's a original 60s rock song based on E minor and E minor 7th. Mm. You're going to write a doozy. Mm-hmm. You're going to write an amazing fucking song. McCartney's bass in this is just unfucking believable. It is perfect Beatles. It was so unique back then. Yeah. They did the third person. It's this painful third person. You can still have her. She loves you. All you have to do is just go be with her. Mm-hmm. The context of that was not, that was complex for back then. Oh, for sure. The pain behind telling another man. That's still your girl if you want it. Yeah. Very understated writing. And to have that juxtaposing all of these songs that were written by other people is kind of humorous to me because it's like the best writing with everyone else's writing. Like I said, I think their version of money is good. I already said it. I, I think any version of money is good. Their version of Mr. Postman was actually extremely popular. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Same. And I think I talked about this in the last one. There were songs on this one. You already discussed it with the Danae's. There are songs that are very obviously written for female doo-wop bands. Yeah. And you can hear it. Mm-hmm. Like Mr. Postman, your brain is like, wait, what the, f- what the fuck are you doing? That one is so frustrating. Because right? the original version is so good. And yeah. the audacity of them to think that they could even come close to competing is ridiculous. You just uh, so don't touch something that's so perfect. It is a retrospective album in in what you just said. You you talk about songs like Roll Over Beethoven by right. Chuck fucking Berry, the god of rock and roll. You talk about Please Mr. Postman. You talk about Long Tall Sally by Little Richard. These are untouchable songs very much that should not be touched and i think that is the big issue with this album Mm -hmm. is what are you doing guys come on leave it alone rachel what's your john popper award on this she loves you yeah 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 that's so good so good so catchy minus money i want fucking money what's the eddie van halen award i put lennon's harmonica work on thank you girl and again i'm judging this off of just the beatles written Mm -hmm. no covers so if there's gotcha. stuff that's really fantastic musically, they can suck a dick because, hey, hey, hey just kidding. Come on. I went with basically the entire song of Long Tall Sally. It's no Little Richard, mm-hmm. but Paul McCartney's killing it. The guitar is amazing. There is a lot of great musicianship sure. on this. Rachel, what is your favorite song on the Beatles' second album? She Loves You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mine too. It is the best song on the album it is one of the best Beatles songs of all time. It's incredibly well-written. Yeah, it's that E minor, baby. It's mm-hmm. it's such a well-written song. Yeah. Rachel, what is the best song on this album? I did She, she Loves, Loves you. you Again. Yeah, what the Which fuck? I don't feel like it's cheating because, again, it's I'm judging not. off it's of five fine. songs. What did you pick? I wanted to go that. I put money. Um, <laughs> I think it's incredible. Uh, you didn't write it. <laughs> third album. 
Beatles second album, whatever the stupid hell you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Did your impressions change after this album? I want to say no. And I only say no because I'm sure they had very little control over what they were allowed to put on this album. Because if they had all of the control in the world and decided to not write an album and just record some stuff that they had done covers of performing when they were young, that's really embarrassing. You're not an artist if you're just copying other people's work for 50% of your work. A cover here and there, there's nothing wrong with that. 50% of your album being covers is a money grab. I am glad you said that because you are right. The Beatles and their producers had nothing to do with this album. Yeah. Nothing. This was an American Capital release of compiled shit that they had already recorded. From the shit that I read, they barely even knew that this was coming out. They had nothing to do with the release. So I think that that plays a big part in it. It's sneaky to me. It's easy to write off because it's basically a compilation of what they had done. But the fact that this album ends with She Loves You, I don't know whose decision it was to put that on and put it where they did, but it's such a good song. And it's one of those songs too that I feel like there are certain songs that bands write that I feel like should have other bands at the time hearing and being like, oh, fuck, we are so behind the eight ball here. Mm -hmm. She Loves You is one of those to me. That's my takeaway other than, yeah, this album, it doesn't feel like a Beatles album. Yeah. We've got some final awards and categories. We've done the albums that we need to do. We're going to do some awards and categories. This is our first stint with the Beatles. We've covered the early Beatles. We've gone pre-Hard Day's Night. We've gone the fucking Quarrymen. We've done what we can do. Rachel, a very simple question for you. Up to now, are the Beatles overrated? I would say today, no. If I asked your good friend Elaine, probably. That question depends on your age. For us, it wasn't thrown in our faces. We were allowed to discover it. And so in that way, for me, they're not overrated. I don't think they're overrated. Shocker. I know you didn't see that coming. I did not. Even really taking a month or however long I took to really research for this. Mm -hmm. If anything, I have more respect for them because I do feel like they were trying to wade through so much record label bullshit. Right to end up writing their own stuff and how hard they worked. No, I don't think they're overrated. John Prine Award. Rachel, what are the best lyrics that you've heard so far from the Beatles? She was just 17, if you know what I mean. No beauty queen. (laughs) (laughs) I would say that's also the most disturbing lyric that I read. Actually, now that I'm listening at uh, I'll Get You. That's not right. What was the one that was creepy? Oh, you're talking about the Lennon one. You can't do that. I changed. Yeah. I said the entire song of She Loves You. We just talked about it. I feel like it was brilliant. And I love the... Sure. I already talked about it a lot. Rachel, the Greta Van Fleet Award. What is the most obvious influence (laughs) thus far? We count to three and then we say it on the same time. (laughs) All right, let's do it. One, two, three. Rolling Stones. Shut up. (laughs) You're an idiot. (laughs) It's Smokey Robinson. It's Chuck Berry. It's black musicians. No, we reversed. So you were going, oh, who influenced the Beatles? I was going, who the Beatles influenced? Oh, we're both right. Oh, we're both very right. We are both right. I thought you were being an asshole. uh, Okay, I would go Chuck Berry. Yeah. Okay. Let's get to the fun stuff, though. All right. Yeah. I'm gonna go first. Age before beauty. 
band's top five songs so far. That's a category. Yep. Just saying. You are, your eyes are just, what the fuck is going on with you? I, so for my COVID recovery stuff, the medicine that I take is also an antihistamine. It helps uh, take down inflammation. And so I ran out like two days ago. Oh. I just haven't gotten time to go to the store. And my eyeballs are like on fire. Yeah. And my cocaine addiction is showing because. <laughs> My top five favorite Beatles songs of all time. And this, on these from three 64 right. or earlier. Love Me Do is my number five. Mm. I Saw Her Standing There is my number four because she was just 17. My number three is She Loves You. I don't have more to say on these. We've talked about all these songs. Right. My number two is It Won't Be Long. Yeah. You all listen to this episode, right? So you probably know what my number one is, and that's I Want to Hold Your Hand. Yeah, you did. Not a lot of surprises on here, I know, but... When you're dealing with early Beatles, you're not going to get a lot of surprises. The surprises are going to come in a couple albums. That's when the weird shit's going to start happening. Oof. Rachel, what are your five favorite Beatles songs so far? So we have a couple similarities, but we have a couple not similarities at all. Here's where you're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. Number five, I saw her standing there. That's my four. So we're close. Number four, I want to say All My Lovin'. Okay. Number three, something we didn't really touch too much on, P.S. I Love You. Oh, we didn't actually. Yeah. Love that song. That was fabulous. It's a good song. Number two, She Loves You. Number one, even though it's a cover, Twist and Shout. Wow. Really? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. That one, I mean, you can't. That's the first imagery of of John just slaying just being, it and yeah. what was to come. No, that's a great answer. Rachel, who is your favorite Beatle so far? And why is it John Lennon? It's John because he's so handsome and bad. <laughs> <laughs> he's so dangerous. <laughs> Who's your favorite Beatle? Ringo. My favorite early Beatle <laughs> is fucking Ringo. I fucking love him. I really? love him so much. He was such a badass. He was such a good drummer. Okay. God, I, I loved him. Love him. He's not dead. Uh, no, he's still alive. Rachel, these three albums. Yep. Rank them. I don't think that these will be different rankings than yours. <laughs> Number three, Beatles' second album. Okay. At number three, Where It Belongs. Number two, Please Please Me. Number one, Meet the Beatles. Yeah, we're the Was same. Was that exactly what yeah, you wrote Yeah, that's down? the right answer. Yeah, yeah everybody of course. knows it. And he that's is, the yeah. right answer. It does. Um, okay. After you've researched for this episode. Yes. All right. So a lot of this was kind of my excitement of seeing once Rachel actually started learning about the Beatles and really listening to their full albums. Right. What was going to happen with her fandom. So here we go. So far, up to 64, where do the Beatles stand for you after all this? You were exactly right that you were just going to watch me fall in love mm. with the Beatles. I have definitely grown to appreciate them over studying for this. And I am more excited for what's to come yeah. to see the evolution because, again, like more George. Mm, okay. I can get all of them. The <laughs> Liverpool, there's a lot of accents. Liverpool. I, I go into these rabbit holes and one of them this morning was what influenced Liverpool accents because there's so many areas over there. That's <laughs> why it takes me a while to study stuff. We were talking about the Beatles. Yeah. Okay. So... <laughs> I'm excited to see where they go. We have all heard all of the hits, but really digging into every song and every album 
opens up your mind to like everything that they were and everything they could do. Yeah. I hadn't really listened to George's fucking guitar playing. Yeah. Is amazing. He's all right. <laughs> He's all right. Paul and John, their ability to sing together and meld their voices into this one beautiful voice. There's so much of the Beatles that people don't really think about or appreciate. And I'm excited to see what's coming up next. I love that. You know what you're doing. I'm doing a, one of the worst analogies you can do for a music podcast is probably a sports analogy. <laughs> I'm still going to do it. You love sports. So an interview I listened to once, a member of the New England Patriots, a football team, an American football team for all you Europeans. They are a team that was incredibly good for a really long time. And this guy was asked, why is it that this team is so good? What is it that has made this team so good year in and year out? And the guy said, I know this is stupid. I know that you're not going to believe me, but I've never seen a team practice more on the rudiments, mm. on the yeah. just basic shit day in and day out every single day. To me, that's the early Beatles. Mm -hmm. Everything that you need from a pop band, everything you touched on, the crisp guitar playing, the singing in unison to the the way that their voices melded to harmonize, mm -hmm. how absolutely on time Ringo was. Everything that you have to have to have a really good pop band, they were perfect at. Mm -hmm. And that's early Beatles. Yeah. Did we do it? We did it. Join us next week for our last episode before we are all hanging out together live. Holy shit. Not live. All hanging out together in person. It's definitely not going to be live. <laughs> I hope. Next week's episode, what did we miss this year? Gee, Rachel, how many albums did we miss? At least 82. We are covering 20 albums. We are also covering more than 20 albums. We've got a couple little extras in there for you. It's going to be a long episode. It's going to be a good episode, maybe. Fingers crossed. Versecoursefirst.com at versecoursefirstpod. You can't do the Beatles justice, so I hope that you just enjoyed listening to us talk about how great the Beatles are. That's, I mean, that's honestly, that's the reason we all listen to this shit, right? Right. We all love the same things and we want to talk about it. You have any takes about what we think about the covers and everything? Write me. Let us know. We'll talk about it at the finale next year. Rachel, thank you so much for joining me for an entire fucking day. Yeah. I very much appreciate it. I think we did good. I'm glad you think that we think that we did good. High five. Pearl Jam, high five. <laughs> Jeremy spoken. Good night and good luck. <laughs> you can syndicate any boat you roll.